What's up, Asymmetry? Hey, 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 hi. Got a got a familiar face on the podcast today. Uh, Todd Schlafer out at Mirai doing some work. We have been having a series of adventures recently, and uh, Todd joined the Mirai team in the wild, which was really, really fun. And then he piggybacked on that experience coming out, add some special design challenges for him. Uh, to keep him growing as a professional, one of the more talented people traveling and teaching in North America right now, and hungry, hungry, hungry to learn more. I get as much from Todd as I give and thoroughly enjoy the collaborative relationship that we engage uh, as we continue this wonderful boneside journey and trying to figure out life in between. Um, But it was nice to sit down with Todd after having had some really profound experiences together recently and to just wrap, catch up, talk about the future, the national show, and all good things on the horizon for Bonsai. This is a fun one. Sit back and enjoy. It was hot today. Hotter than hotter than it has been. Yep, it was. It's kind of nice, though. Kind of. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I feel like mid to high 80s is, your, is, is, is the best. Yep. 90s yep. for junipers, for sure. 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 Yeah, if we could have like that upper 80s, low 90s all -hmm. summer, that'd be... What does Colorado look like right now? I haven't looked at your weather in a while. Uh, I think yesterday was 90. There are forest fires there. Oh, today was 88. That's why. See? Wonderful. That that upper 80. Yep. No, not that I'm aware of. Oh, geez. Denver was 97 today. Today it was? Yeah. Yeah. 95 tomorrow, 90, 93. Mm. Yeah, when I'm... Like, I'll look, and then, in a way, I'm like an ostrich. It's like, I'm just, I just got to yeah. trust the people that are watering, like my wife and <laughs> my wife uh-huh. and uh, Charlie, you know, yeah. that I pay. And so, it's like, they made it through when it was 100 degrees, yeah. you know, and I was gone, like, every day when it was like that. So, it's, I just, I don't know. And, too, like, being here, it's, there's just a lot going on here. So, I just... <laughs> You know, if if I look at the temperature, then I just get anxious. So yeah, it's like let's just work. That's, that's probably a better way to go about it. There's not much you're gonna do. There's nothing I can do. You about can call it. them and be like, "Are you checking?" And they'd be like, "Yes." And that's <laughs> and then the 10 extent of it. Later, you're like, "Did you check them again?" And yeah. like, and then you just have people that don't like you anymore. Well, I feel like it's a significant commitment for you to come out and continue your studies here. Obviously, because you have such a busy life and career as yeah. a bonsai professional. That's that's true, and even like coming out here, not that it wasn't an option, but just in my head, like trying to not justify it, but in a way justify it, just yeah. because it's like I'm busy, but at the same time, it's like I need to be here, and I want to be here, and it's a good use of my time being here, and mm-hmm. so it's like the tra- it's like okay, I could be somewhere else, mm-hmm. but it's like no, I'm cutting down on as I cut down on travel, but it's like I still if I cut down on travel, but I'd like to spend more time here, mm-hmm. you know? And so yeah. that's kind of like a shift that I was looking to do and something that I'd talked to, to you about earlier mm-hmm. in the year. So I got more to show you. Oh, well, there's absolutely I no got more doubt. to show you. Yep, I yeah. Know. I know. It's fun being at this point working together though, because we really can, I feel like the Rocky Mountain Juniper yesterday was like a good, it's like a good sampling of, there's just so much. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's and like just so much. Bonsai is not so 
uh, easy. No. Or, 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 or limited. Yeah. Uh, quite the opposite. It's quite expansive. But too, like looking at that juniper yesterday and that approach, it also, like that gave me, not that I don't, it gave me also like another level of respect for you mm. because of like just the mass amount of knowledge and techniques that you have that you can, you know, it's like, no, this one we're barely going to put, it's... Find the, put anywhere. Yeah. find the odd guy out and that's the one you're gonna wire yeah. and it's like oh wow yeah. you know well and it's interesting because now when you step back from that tree if you look at any one branch it looks messy but when you step back from it yeah it looks it organized all, yeah it does it's very and that's like something that in showing you that work at first is really hard to grasp because you haven't seen a whole tree handled in that way but this was like you know the the class asked is that something that you learned from mr kimura and it's like Yes, yes, yes. He did show me the breadth of bonsai approach, mm -hmm. right? And there are ways to design trees without any wire. Right. You know, but it's an aesthetic that you have to calibrate your eye and your brain and your acceptance of style to. And I, I feel like that kind of malleability to be able to go from a highly wired tree that has a very defined flat, you know, flat pads and laid out and to the nth degree dialed in detail to go from that 180 degrees the opposite to almost not wiring anything and right. accepting that more natural mm -hmm. form. It's like if you can span that breadth of body of work, that's that's really high level. Right. That's really high level. But you don't know that that work exists until somebody shows, shows you. you. Yeah. You know, because that's a totally different approach than the Western world sees in bonsai. Right. You know, like you, you just, um, yeah. And, and the, the interesting thing for me was when I went to Japan for the first two years, two and a half years, two years, Taiga Arushibata was my senpai and Mr. Kimura was in like the almost wire everything right. phase. And then, and then Taiga went home, finished and went home. And then Mr. Kimura didn't want us to wire anything. Uh-huh. And that was a really hard as a non-proficient bonsai apprentice trying to figure out how to wire everything to then the next day being told you're wiring too much, use less wire, use less wire. And that became the general stance of, of Mr. Kimura for the rest of my apprenticeship was uh -huh. wire as little as possible it was such a big trans transition. Right. Yeah. But did like learning, going from wiring everything to wiring as little as possible but then did you see that like that helped pick up your speed with wiring oh, or it's so much faster mm -hmm. it's so much faster if you can decision make and have it work out aesthetically yeah right because the amount of wire you put on that tree i could have reduced it by 10 to 20 percent mm -hmm. right but th but that's okay because the the backbone of not using a lot of wire for a tree that has a character that you can't recreate with wire is learning and building a new threshold, right? And understanding a thematic that's applied across the big tree. So yeah. when you get to the end, you're like, oh, you don't have to wire everything for a tree to look good. Right. You know, like for Mr. Kimura, I think it was an efficiency thing because he lost such significant apprentices and he always had like a big stable of apprentices. And then suddenly it was just me. And so, like, the, the less wire thing was more sustainability than anything, right? right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but 
but at the same time, you also have to know. And then, you know, the next skill level is in being able to do that is knowing when you do it and why you do it and what the repercussions of doing it are going to be for three to five to seven years. You know, like there's a different narrative arc for a tree that you apply very limited wire to for a first time styling. Mm -hmm. It's going to go on a different trajectory. Right. So that becomes something unique as well. Yeah. And the whole aesthetic's different because like the first two trees, like everything got wired. Everything got wired. Big, yeah. big dramatic re, re, uh, vampments mm-hmm. of designs that had already existed, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. You were reworking designs that had already been applied, which I think is a skill set independent of a first styling. Yeah. No, on both of those, those were really, I don't know. I learned a lot from that. I learned, I learned a lot from, from that, but there's also like it, it really, it just keeps showing like, oh, like, loosening up and just different like techniques for myself that it's like I know like in my head I know it's like but it's just still like probably pushing my you know it's like pushing yourself more to do it and give yourself freedom to mm-hmm. lighten up on it and mm-hmm. then but then watching your hands it's really mm-hmm. that's watching your hands is is an art form in itself you yeah. know just watch it really is it's yeah. it's it's beautiful but I don't yeah. know. It's the whole the handwork. The handwork is the dexterity of, is. of bonsai is really interesting. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. fun doing a yeah, doing a tree where it's like I'm gonna I'm just gonna wire whatever's hanging down and what's up. Mm-hmm. It's like try to use oh, and that's it too. It's like using the wire and the direction of the wire that it goes to place the foliage where you want it and right. then having you know, it's having like it it's continue. this whole, it's yeah. You place one small branch, you continue wiring, you place the next small branch, you continue wiring, but it's all one wire. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's really well, it's it, it's uh I feel like that type of bonsai design is um is by far and away the most intelligent. Uh-huh. Because you have to be designing every piece of the tree um before you ever put a piece of wire on it. Right. Or else you're going to overwire it and ruin right. it. You know, and, and and it was to take the to to apply that wire and think about the more wire I apply it, the worse this is going to get right. makes wire contextually different, right? Mm-hmm. Because usually it's like just wire it. Yeah. Just wire more. Just have more control. Just have more control. Right. It's like, well, the more control you get over this tree, the less natural the it's going to look. It lo- yeah, mm-hmm. the less natural The less tree. natural because yeah. that tree had everything in it already. Yeah. It was like even wiring it was something that I considered maybe avoiding hmm. and just going with scissors. And then it was like, no, no, it's going to benefit. It's definitely going to benefit. It's not at a point where not wiring anything is 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 the road. Right. But I think there are trees that, that exist out there that are trees that don't need wire hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Very rare. Yeah. Very, very rare. No, but I enjoy, I really did enjoy that. That exercise. Yeah. You know? But that's what it is, right? Yeah. I, I like that you use that word because when you have a lot of trees, it is a prolific body of work that a lot of trees provides the capacity to create. So then each tree doesn't become such a dire action. Mm. You know, like I think the bonsai practice on a small scale as a hobbyist you really invest a lot in each tree and you have 25 to 30 trees and that's the highest number of trees that a single hobbyist can probably maintain to a high level. Mm -hmm. It's a very European way of going about it. Uh, But as a bonsai professional, as nice as that would be to say, I have 30 trees and they all look super supreme, 
and you're like, I'm a bonsai professional, you just don't have the exercise right. that you need. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think like the danger of traveling is the exercise becomes more of a uh, pull down menu, right? Like, okay, here's this tree. I it's can... a template. Yeah. You just pull from templates yeah. when, when you're on the road. And right. it's like, and I enjoy, I enjoy being on the road. I enjoy making trees on the road, totally. but, but it's every time I'm sitting down, I'm not like looking to like create something new necessary mm-hmm. or it's like to play a lot. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, this tree could be this and that's the template I pull from and mm-hmm. I make it and I tr- make it as nice as I can and, you know, and... And that's what people want. Yeah, and maybe pull like a little something different into it, but yeah. but not where like you can sit back and just... I can't experiment on someone else's dime, you yeah. know? Yeah. So that's, that's how that kind of works. <laughs> well, there's that and there's also like... I think... There is a value to being a bonsai professional. There's a value attached to a bonsai professional. Like, I have this person for a day for X amount of dollars. Yeah. I want to get through all of this sure. work. I, I think it is less common for somebody to say, I have this tree, for them to have an understanding of the potential approaches to that tree uh-huh. and to say, I'm going to pay you for a day of work to enact a really appropriate body of work on this tree and i feel great with mm-hmm. whatever comes of right. you, you know like that's a I, I i feel like and i proposed this before in podcasts i feel like almost for like the significant public work that occurs on trees that there should be like a uh there should be like an artist statement submission of like you know all the professionals that want to potentially perform that piece of work, submit a concept. Mm. Because as a public institution, say Collection North or the Huntington or Pacific Bonsai Museum or, or you know, the National Collection right. with those historical pieces, the work does have to be done on these things. Right. They do have to be changed. They do sure. have to be altered. Preservation uh, of bonsai is a ridiculous idea. But it's like, okay, so what are we going to be getting with that? Mm-hmm. I, I think a bonsai professional, and I think it would be really interesting to calibrate the expectations of the work to the proposal from professionals, yeah. right? Because it's historical be work. Sure. You're another hand that's going to be touching a historical tree, and not every historical tree needs to be wired to the gills and rethought in terms of a design that's you know consistent with other designs it's sure. just uh, that's unfortunate to take that age and deny that age its ability to shine mm-hmm. yeah that is an interesting concept yeah i don't know if we'll I ever mean, get there but yeah. it, it does mean it does mean i think exposing people to approaches that are not as publicized sure you know yeah and i don't i i uh i valued that part of my apprenticeship mm-hmm you start to see it yeah and calibrate but we went uh out into the mountains you got to do another piece of work lately yeah that was a lot of fun mm. for as short a time that you were there i was pretty tired by the end of it oh i was <laughs> i was I, I was exhausted yeah yeah and you were burning well you were burning it coming into it too yeah yeah so post post heat right 116 degrees yep. at Mirai, and then uh, that night, the 116 degree day, that evening, I got on a plane and got to Denver uh-huh. at 2 a.m., uh-huh. which was a day later than I was supposed to, but right. Monday wasn't supposed to be 116 degrees, so 
Uh, yeah, but then, but then you, you kind of launched us into the wilderness. <laughs> no, that was so much fun. You dropped me off at an ancient limber pine grove. Yeah. That yeah. was, that was really something profound. Yeah, that was, I know. And when like you had asked about like where to go for trees, the limber pine grove, Hey, I mean, those are probably like two of the, the places I know that have the most, you know, weathered and, you mm-hmm. know, that just, um aged ancient you know trees but also the limber pine grove was the first place that jerry took me after mm-hmm. he like when when he took me to utah and then we came back and he's like you want to go see some more trees and i'm like yeah and so like a week later all right we're gonna go limber pine grove so so i i jerry gets up at like four in the morning so i'm like rolling over to his place maybe <laughs> six or something it's like <laughs> i don't get up at six and so we went up there but Going up uh, to the Grove, it was April. Yeah. So there's probably, I, don't, I didn't know how much snow was there, and we were there early, so we just walked right up. It was great. And then we're coming back, and it's later in the afternoon, and the snow starts melting, and we're falling. I mean, the snow was up to the middle of my chest, so the snow's like four feet. Like in the Grove where it is, it's like it was dry, but... Oh, I didn't realize you were at the Limber Pine Grove when you guys were walking on four feet of snow well it was there and windy ridge Jeez, i mean was both that the places. Same like the week late no but then the week a week later he's like how'd you even get in there how did your how did you get a truck in there was it plowed where the the, lim- the road to the limber pine grove yeah no kidding yeah, it was plowed so we were able to drive up to it but then i don't know it was so much fun God, but it is in the heart of the rockies yeah i mean it is like yeah it's at the Continental Divide, basically. It's yep. like smack dab in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. Like I could not have been more immersed. Yeah, it was great. It's a great. It's. I mean, I'd never seen. I don't know, and I don't know where there's another like Limber Pine Grove like that in Colorado. I don't know where there's another one like that yeah. in the north in the Continental I don't North either, America. But there's got to be. You would think there'd be something else, but I don't know. I've never heard. I of it. I don't know about that. Yeah. I've never heard of it. I don't know about that. That was pretty darn impressive. Yeah. It felt like walking on the moon. Yeah. The way that the rock was fractured and like, like that was a decomposing landscape and those trees were just like a part of the whole process. Yeah. That was really interesting. I, the ancient trees that we stumble upon now, it's so obvious that they are still alive because they lie outside of a fire pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a small pocket of what was yeah. once a pro- very grand ancient forest. Yeah. And it just is the part that hasn't burned. That it hasn't burned yet. Yeah, yeah. so much rock around it. I, I, I never really equated that to ancient tree existence, as, as ignorant as that is to say, until I was on the top of Mount Charleston. Mm. And you recognize like all of the younger generational forests below it burned, burned. as the fire comes up sure. the ridge and they're so intermittently distributed at the at that backbone of the ridge that yeah. it just couldn't burn anymore. Yeah. 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 I know there's no kindling up there. Same in the where the limber pine grove. It's like all that stone that had fallen down from yeah. the it's like it's all Yeah, there's no just, fuel. There's no fuel. Mm-mm. Super interesting. So even if like even if one of those trees got hit. Like by lightning, it's like maybe that tree went, but the trees around it would have still yeah would 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 still be standing because yep. there's nothing that the fire can kind of jump from tree yeah, to tree. That's interesting. So that's really interesting. Yeah. I now we went from the limber pine grove and we stayed a hot minute, hot minute at the limber pine grove. We yeah. stayed there till like four in the morning. Yeah, you did oh. shooting the stars yeah. and everything. Yeah, that's uh, I'm really excited for 
really excited for all of this to come out. It'll yeah. be it'll be a while before everybody gets to see it, but they'll appreciate it when it comes out. But but then we went to Windy Ridge. Yeah. And that was <laughs> that was my speed right there. Yeah. That was my speed because I've heard you talk about it a lot. Yeah. Windy Ridge and like all these windblown trees. But I didn't realize <clears throat> until this trip that Windy Ridge was bristle cones. Oh. And I still haven't seen Mount Evans that has really good bristle mm-hmm. cones, but it sounds to me like Windy Ridge had the best Colorado of Colorado bristle cones. It does. Windy Ridge is is the best. Um they are Mount Evans has like beautiful, but they're just not Windy Ridge, that's the name. It's like they're just not pushed in the in that mm-hmm. direction as hard and just dismantled almost by by the weather um right. yeah but now uh, what do you think about the windy ridge bristle cones versus the mount charleston nevada bristle cones yeah so those are different those are different species of they're different cone. species right. but to it on mount charleston they're not as like directional mm-hmm. like the windy ridge ones it's like you know where the wind's coming from you know, too, where it's like this bristle cone is protecting this one and there's those alleyways, right. yeah. you know? So it's like... It's, That's the it's, first time I've ever seen that. Mm-hmm. Trees in a linear line. In a linear line. And they don't get outside into that alley because that's where the wind is coming just through and shearing just shear stuff off. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That was so unique. And it was so interesting to see upright trees that had just physically blown over as an upright tree. And had continued to exist, but half the root system is hanging out, yeah. and it happened 500 years ago. Yeah. You know? And yeah. then there's one next to it that happened last week. Yeah. That yeah. was really, that was really intense. It was. It was. But yeah, the Mount Charleston ones, I don't know, they're a little more upright. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a little more like ancient bristle cone, you know, right. kind of multi-apex, um, a little broader. They seem like their their canopies are a little broader. Where right. these are more these are more like kind of crawling around the, all, along the ground, and you know, so it's, it's two different environments yeah. which have had a significant cha- uh, effect on. What do you think? Like the between the two? Yeah, there's one. Well, there's there's still one more grove that I I want to see in uh, in I believe it's in western Utah on the Nevada Utah border. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting to see the rain tree mm-hmm. on Mount Charleston, and that's in like this little pocket, it's just and it's a totally like protected, gigantic, trough, and it's yeah. a monstrosity yeah. of a bristle cone. Yep. by far and away the biggest bristle cone I've seen. Because mm-hmm. when you go to the White Mountains in California, they're big, but they're just so broken down. And then walking up Mount Charleston, it's like, oh, these are small bristle cones until you get to the upper saddle. And even then they're small, mm-hmm. but they are very contorted. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're like, a, uh, they're, they were like the in-between to Windy Ridge and the White Mountains. Like it was literally like a, mm-hmm. a continental mm-hmm. in-between as well as an aesthetic in-between. Um, it is it is almost impossible. I, I really liked Windy Ridge because you the tree was communicating the influence of the environment and the elements. Like yeah. it was just a it was a, a party that was privy to all the shit that had happened there. Yeah. And you got to watch you yeah. got to see that. The White Mountains are trees uh winning the battle. Mm. Right? Like you you have these grand stately sentinels that have uh it it, it would be like I think of Lord of the Rings when like you 
see or you like uh, like a fantasy story where like they would sail into these unrealistic gates of this long lost civilization mm-hmm. that had figured out how to exist for thousands of years when everybody else had been wiped out by war or famine right. or anything. You know, it's like this sacred place in the White Mountains because the trees are so big and so prominent and so old and so contorted. It's just like, it, it's just the culmination of everything. Uh-huh. It's almost like if you take all of the landmass of North America starting on the eastern shores across and over the backbone of the Rockies and then you finish... uh in California, it's like the culmination of your experiences equal that tree right there. Mm. It's it, it it is it is America uh-huh. in the form of a tree as it represents the landscape. It's a really profound thing to see the California bristle cones. Yeah, I've never. I need to go. I keep saying that. I've been saying that for like four years. It's, it's like I, I'm dying to see those trees. It's so. uh yeah, it's a real experience. And I think the biggest thing about it is like you have Methuselah's, uh, you have Shulman's Grove where the Methuselah Walk is, mm-hmm. which nobody knows which right. tree is Methuselah, right? Uh, and it doesn't matter because Methuselah is not even the oldest tree anymore. Um, and I think Methuselah is, is dead from what I understand. But I, anyways, uh, who knows what the hell's huh. going on there? I don't think even the Forest Service really knows. But the Patriarch's Grove was a place that I had never been until I was down there last year. And you go past Shulman's Grove on this freaking washboard, rickety shit road uh-huh. out into the middle of nowhere. And suddenly you arrive and there's like little, you know, pockets of ancients and there's a lot of sagebrush and it's really dry. And it's so stunning because you're east of the Sierras looking back on the Sierra Nevadas uh-huh. across the, I forget what that valley is there where Bishop is, but just the scenery is stunning and then you and then you enter the patriarch's grove which is just like really uh amazing isolated ancients uh-huh. yeah and it's and and you could walk I, I i walked as far as i possibly could in the time frame that i had and i didn't even scratch the surface uh-huh. of the patriarch's grove i mean it is so expansive uh-huh. and that's the thing about going to uh going to Mount Charleston or going to Windy Ridge or going to these other groves of ancients is the groves of ancients in these places are small pockets. It's like mm-hmm. a little, it's like a little 500 yards of ancients mm-hmm. and then you're surrounded by forests that have burned and are young. Right. In the White Mountains, there are miles and miles and miles mm-hmm. of the oldest trees on earth. And that is really hard to kind of summarize because you just keep walking and seeing more and more interest and more diversity and more uniqueness mm-hmm. and more colors and more ways that a tree can grow. It's really hard to wrap my mind around. So does, where you stop, does that road just continue on to? Or is it no, like dead? It stops. It, it stops dead and ends. then you just have to dead walk ends from and then, then you just start walking. Mm-hmm. You know, and you could obviously like as I think the national parks and the state parks like do a really good job of like guiding your experience in these places um, for the average purveyor of old trees driving into the parking lot of the Patriarch's Grove, taking a 10 minute quick loop through the high points of it and leaving would leave you with just absolute awestruck. Uh-huh. But when you go off the beaten path and you get deep into it, there are some things out there that just have never been seen in tree form before, mm-hmm. uh, or at least documented. Uh, and specifically inside of bonsai, they've never been created or represented. Mm-hmm. That's a real, 
that's a real special those are the moments that cause us to go to the ancients mm-hmm. in my mind mm-hmm. well maybe next year yeah yeah being in the ancients with being in the ancients with hbo yeah filming was really quite interesting so then you yeah so you did work i did work yeah i did work. did work there yeah i did work we did work on windy ridge we took we took Todd into the wild. <laughs> that was so much fun. Isn't it a different experience? It is because like thinking about it and then while you're doing the work, while looking at trees, it's like you're not um uh it's like I'm not careless with what I was doing, but I was and aggressive's not a right word, but I was a little, I was a little more aggressive with the, with what, or a little more like, oh, I would leave this here, or maybe, you know, it's like, maybe I should wedge cut this, or I should do, it. where here, it's like, well, look at that, that branch, it's like a, a foot wide just got torn off, and mm-hmm. it's barely attached underneath, so I bet this, I bet this branch, it's like, an inch will move where I want it to, you right, know? So it's right. like, all right, I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm just gonna do it. So it's almost it's like being in nature. It's like, okay, we had wire, you know, we had wire to do the work, but it was, I don't know, like a little more, not barbaric, but just, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I, I feel it. I feel it uh, when I'm there and I, and then I come back wanting to apply it, which is basically, I feel uh, I feel unencumbered yeah. by the it's lim- not as polished when no, we're out there. It's absolutely. like what we were trying to create was not something that was Very polished so. like we try to do when we come home. It's like, no, this is loose. It's loose and it's free. free. yeah, it's it's, just- uh, it's it's responsive to immediate stimuli. It's not a hazy memory that you take home with you. It's an accurate or highly influenced look. Context is everything, and the environment that you create bonsai in is definitely a part of the creation. Creating bonsai in a grove of ancient trees, you're bound to be informed and influenced by it. I have a hard time coming back to Mirai after those experiences because the experience of making trees in the wild, immersed inside of that landscape, is the most powerful thing Mm -hmm. that I've experienced with the art form. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's in being in the bowels of bonsai's origins in japan as a traditional apprentice to you know trying to construct a facility that creates the kind of environment that gives rise to high level bonsai i i I feel like so much of the bonsai construct of organization and of predictable reapplication of concepts is a response to the built environment because coming back to the built environment and then looking at the work that's done in the natural environment doesn't make as much sense here. Mm-hmm. But the context is different. Mm-hmm. And trying to take what you, what was freely available or freely felt in the natural environment and right. to reconjure up that experience in the built environment is just not possible. Yeah. So it does become like a uh, uh, responsive uh, creation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it does feel less obtrusive to be aggressive right. and make moves that are maybe a little bit more warranting and resulting in natural devastation. Right. Right? Yeah. 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 Because we're looking at it. And it seems like 
I have to say, like Windy Ridge, starting at sunrise and doing that piece of work, mm-hmm. uh, Windy Ridge was a pretty peaceful environment yeah. at that moment. But we were looking at trees that were dismantled yeah. by the elements. Yeah, I know both days. Both days were were pleasant up there, yeah. and so it's like, yeah. This is the whole thing, though, about trying to experience when i went to the spanish furs in the andalusian mountains i've told you this before like 70 80 mile an hour winds mm-hmm. and blowing ice that mm-hmm. felt like it was cutting my skin yeah it was like oh this is yeah, i get it this is what makes these <laughs> yeah. trees look this way yeah I, I completely and totally talking with hugh when we were sitting in the ancient gum trees in australia and he's like man you'd never want to be out here in the middle of a storm and i was like or would you mm-hmm. you know i'm sure it'd be unpleasant yeah but could you imagine being up on windy ridge during gale force winds right. that are creating the kind of devastation that is generating that aesthetic mm-hmm. i mean it would be humbling yeah get blown off maybe i, I yeah I mean, because if it's blowing over trees of that size, the winds like comes up over that mountain behind that was behind us, and it just it just comes down right. I wonder is that happening in the winter, or does that happen? When does that happen? I think in the winter. Uh huh. I think in the winter. However, when I I've never been up there, and I've been up there in the winter, but I've never been up there when it's been wind that like. To a degree that would actually blow them over, but I mean, it's you know it's there because you can see. My my assumption was the winter. It happens in the winter. We were we were basically at timberline. Yeah, I mean we were. Those were the last trees on the mountain. Yeah, were the bristle cones. God, it felt good to be back in the Rockies too. Thunderstorms every day. Yeah, rain. There was a ton of water. Everything was green and lush. I know it's like drying out now again, but it was just like. Ah, it was such, it was so nice. Uh, That's the thing out there. It's every afternoon you get, every afternoon you get a little thunderstorm. Living right. It's, it's, Colorado's hard to deny. It is. It's hard to deny. As a state, it's a really special place. The Rocky Mountains are very, very special. I've always say I felt more at home in the Sierra Nevadas, but I got to say like going back to the Rockies this time, I was like, oh, I am home. Yeah. That was really, good. good. yeah. It felt it felt really good. I know because you have always said that you felt more at home in the Cascades and or in the Sierras. Yeah, yeah Sierras. well, but I spent growing up in Colorado. Although I grew up in the middle of the Rockies, I, I wasn't. My family wasn't out climbing fourteeners and you know uh, doing a lot of backpacking and and overland trekking and stuff. That that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff that gets me going now mm-hmm. is like being out in the landscape, and so that's where the Mirai team is is pretty special mm-hmm. because this small group of people you know congregated at Mirai to produce the live stream, but also believed in my vision for what we could do with the tree as the leading character mm-hmm. of a, of a really big tale and a really big story. And uh, when we're out there and we're shooting time lapses, you know, with the Milky Way <laughs> so clearly defined over the top of this ancient tree. I can't wait tree, to see those. It's, it's 
so incredible yeah. what they captured. Yeah. 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 Josh Sales. I mean, the whole team is phenomenal, but Josh yeah. Sales is like a filmmaker uh, of another level. Uh-huh. He's 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 driven driven by it. he's he and I feed off of the same feed off of the same fuel source. And it's fun to be out in the native environment with him because he yeah. goes he goes real hard. Yeah, he does. It was real hard. I fell asleep. I fell asleep on the rocks. Uh-huh. You had a picture of that, huh? I haven't seen it. Oh, they no, didn't send you they that? They told me. They told me. They're like, yeah, we took pic- we got pictures of oh, Ryan man. sleeping on the rock. I was so tired. And there was nothing I could do to help. I'm just there like enjoying just being looking. out in the woods, you know? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You said you think you'll do more of those projects. I mean, I... Just I, for yourself. I think so. Yeah. I Like after doing it's it so, and then talking so with you, it's like that's... It just makes sense to to implement that into my studies, you know? So that was number five for me. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like the more I can do it, the better. How many more are you doing? (sighs) Or that you have planned so far? I mean, I have, I think like each time we go out, it's a little bit bigger tree. It's a little bit farther walk. It's a little bit more rugged terrain. We understand how to engage in the landscape a lot more clearly yeah, because it's not about can you can you hike. It's not like right. hiking. It's not the physicality of or anything. It's the total package of being there and understanding how to interpret the environment, and and really like being a functional cog in the environment, not going there and you know overwhelming the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that I probably have a lifetime worth of work. Uh, so if I were just being honest, that's all I want to do is, is be immersed in the native landscape, Mm -hmm. making things and learning. Uh, we'll probably do one more this year, maybe Mm -hmm. two, maybe two. Mm -hmm. Uh, the biggest project that I have in my mind is a logistical nightmare, but it, it would be, it would be a several day on the on the mountain in a highly exposed circumstance mm-hmm. with a very big tree. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a real logistical problem. Yeah. And it would be in the dead of winter, which which adds oh, a lot to it. Right. Both for the tree and for everybody involved. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But I think the redwoods, I think the redwoods uh are the next are probably mm-hmm. the next low hanging fruit to go down. Uh, we got great material from Bob Scheiman. And that sounds exciting. Everything that's going to happen with that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to climb the Redwood, which is independent of oh, going down to the I Redwoods. Oh, I you were doing that all no, in one so shot. No, I'm, so I'm going to go climb the old growth Redwood at the end of uh, here in the next few weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm using that trip to scout. Oh, all right. So I'll be scouting for the, the wild project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it should be fun. That'll be great. Yeah, I think it will be. And will be. What do you have on your agenda? What happens after you go home from here? I go home. I have classes. Um, I have classes, and then I'm I'm back here. I don't know in a few weeks. So you literally go home, teach classes, and come back to Mariah? Yeah, almost. I may have a week, a week or so, where I have some some work, but too I wanted to go. Um. Go them. I wanted to collect some stuff, you know, because yeah. I haven't collected anything this year, really. Yeah. So it's like I do some of that, but just, but too, like it's like go home, teach classes, but then like everything that I'm, 
I'm pulling and remembering from like this trip. It's like there's there's work I need to. Mm-hmm. There's just work on on my own craft, you know, that I'm trying to yeah get better at, and so that's that's part of it too. It's like yeah, come here, absorb as much as I can. I teach, work on some more trees, and then come back here, you know, um, and just that's uh that's kind of what I have. And then it's you know, nationals is coming up. Other. Are you, you vending know. at nationals? Yeah, I'll yeah. vend it. Vend at nationals. So, I mean, there's still there's a lot of stuff coming up, but I, I purposefully opened up July, July and August just for, um, spend more time here and just for, you know, for focusing on my own personal growth for mm-hmm. in Bones Eye. So, mm-hmm. and a better person to invest in than yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. And there, and to me, it's like there's no better place to to push and continue my education than here. Yeah. you know. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, that's yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, not not to sound like an asshole or anything, but I do think I do think it's nice. Ten years, eleventh year at Mirai. Uh, obviously, ups and downs. Sure. <clears throat> I just, uh, who would have ever known the level of information that applied in different ways to our native species uh-huh. compared to common Japanese species? So that's like, you know, its own little thing. But like, it is nice now to to have trees in so many different stages across so many different species because really the the teaching capacity is is ex- exten- extensive here. Yeah, it is. But it certainly has become an awful lot to maintain. Mm-hmm. That's probably probably something that you've watched grow. I'm assuming being here, sure. The number of trees, yeah. the number of hours, the number of people that it takes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because your team keeps expanding, the garden keeps expanding. Yeah, you know, it's just yeah. it, it doesn't. Nothing stops here. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it it's a, like you had the workshop up top, and then this area was built, you yeah. know, and then it's like, well, now the greenhouse is gone or you kept expanding the garden, build the greenhouse. Now the deciduous area, the. Yeah. Someday they'll all get finished. <laughs> <laughs> the rock wall. The rock walls. Uh, you know, and the thing about it is, is I love the rock walls. Mm-hmm. I love making rock walls. Mm-hmm. But I told you when we stacked that rock wall that I probably wouldn't come back to it for a couple of years. Yeah, when we were doing it, I think he even says like I probably won't touch this till till next year, yeah. till when you come back next year. And I was like, well, yeah, whatever. Nope, sure enough. And that was last year. <laughs> yeah, so. it's it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a crazy thing. I, some of it is self inflicted for me because I just have a way that I want it. Right. And with a tree, I'm so much more flexible. But with this place. I just feel like I can't sit and look at something that I don't feel is absolutely right every day. Mm. Yeah, it's really troubling, actually. But the amount of labor it takes to change it is is extensive. Immense, yeah. When I first moved back from Japan, I stacked all the rock walls uh, all in one go mm-hmm. over, I don't know, probably took me a month to do the big one. And then maybe for the rest of 2010, I sort of sputtered on 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 that side of the wall as we look out at, at it from the podcast mm-hmm. booth. Uh, but but it was all done in 2010. And then there's all the other ones that have come up, and I haven't finished another rock wall since 2010. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
So it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I, I, I'm hoping they'll get done. I hate looking at it unfinished, but I would rather look at it unfinished than finished in a poor way. Right. Right. Which is a mentality that challenges everybody that I work with. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> they're like, I'm sure you're driving me fucking crazy. So you have a lot of classes then coming up too? Yeah. The educational structure this year, uh, I teach Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I don't teach Monday through Friday or Saturday and Sunday of the following week, but then I teach Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Mm -hmm. and then I don't teach Thursday, Friday or Saturday, Sunday, and then I go Monday through Thursday and I Mm -hmm. teach Friday, Saturday, Sunday again. It, it, uh, It has been a really nice cadence because the whole idea of just trying to be present for Taft mainly you know like prior to this year almost every weekend of the year had a class yeah you know and it was just really pretty brutal yeah honestly i think about that too with like classes that i'm teaching and it's like while married it's like yeah trying to like make sure i have a weekend or two you know a month because it's like you could probably fill them every weekend and then yep then you're and then you're working every weekend yeah and that's when you know when my wife has that's when she that's when she's not working she does it the rest of the world it's friday in the weekend it's like well this is monday for me now so the rest of the world well and that was the thing too because when i taught friday saturday sunday sunday night i would go to the float tank Mm -hmm. you know i would kick it in the float tank and decompress mentally Monday was always a light day. And then we had the stream on Tuesday. Uh, the Q&A is on Thursday. But then, you know, the pandemic, the mini stream on Wednesdays. Right. Um, I'm now sole custodian of Taft. So I have him 100% of right. the time. So I don't have those Sunday floats. Yeah. You know, and, and so things just had to change. Yeah. It just had to, just had to change. Um, being being currently sort of single single father in every sure. facet and all that stuff um you know and who knows where that will go but it uh yeah integrating bonsai into life is an interesting challenge it is it is worthy worthy endeavor to try and figure out but it is an interesting challenge cuz there's a lifestyle around the trees but this is one thing that the heat spell that we experienced really altered for me and i still haven't totally figured out to what degree it's altered it but spending neglecting any form of personal life or personal relationships because the trees demand so much and obviously i've i have a lot of trees at mirai and so that was a choice Mm -hmm. um but in one fell swoop it's very obvious that this can all go away Mm -hmm. and to not have like perspective on the multifaceted aspect of life, which I myself as a very sort of focused myopic person, I can go really deep into a very um, peripherally blind field of view where I'm just tunnel vision and just locked in. And I really feel like that's the first 10 years of Mariah. I was pretty locked Mm in. Uh, So it's nice to, in a rather painful way, to be taught that lesson, which seems to be the case for me. If I'm going to learn, it's probably going to be because it hurt. But um, just to recognize, like, I've got to have a life outside of bonsai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
there certainly is a lot of work here to get done. There's a <laughs> lot know? of work like, here. Got to work. I got to work smarter, right. more efficiently, right? Uh, and really pull on talented people, which is why it's so great to have you here, because we can help each other. Yeah. No, it, it's it is. It's great being here. It's great being here for a prolonged period. Yeah. You know. Yep. And yep. that's yeah. It's good. I think. Uh, I think. I don't know. You probably see more lodgepole pines than I do, but I think that's the best lodgepole pine in the country, hands down. I mean, I can't think of a better one. Big, old, yeah. that was, character, yeah. hollow, where that design went was really special. I know. It came to life after, because yeah. I'd looked at that tree for years, for years here, and it's like... yeah. There's yeah I don't there's know more. it wasn't there's yeah, more there's just, more it, it, but it had to it had to it had to marinate yep. you know like it needed back budding it needed density it yeah. needed it needed all of the things to happen yeah. like that's a real to set it up for what you know for the the change yeah you know the change but, the big transition yeah. that's a hard part of bonsai that I don't th- think is discussed enough is just the time that it takes for material to move in a direction that gives it potential Mm -hmm. like that was a very very forced design on that lodgepole to begin with it was a very but it was like it was what it offered at the time right and you have to start the process at some point Mm -hmm. you can't wait and wait and wait you got to start the process the process is what leads to all of the beautiful things happening but then it just sat and I was like, there's more in it. I know, I know. there's when, more in it. How long did it sit for? It sat for three years. Mm-hmm. Three years from when I first styled it. And the first repotting of that tree was a radical angle change. Mm-hmm. And now the second potting is going to be an extension. So it's not like we're going backwards mm-hmm. back to where it was originally position. We're actually pushing farther. Right. So that wouldn't have even been a feasible design in the mm-hmm. very beginning of that tree which mm-hmm. i think we do a lot of significant work to root masses to immediately impose an angle change but that one was delicate because it's such an old tree yeah yeah i know the whole underside is completely hollow well and here's the other thing that hollowness has given it more movement than it had when it was mm. originally designed because it's sagged because it's, it's sagging, sagging bending over at the natural bends and uh. it, they've continued to accentuate so it's like oh that movement that we keyed off of was not part of that tree in the very beginning. Uh-huh. It was, it, it, which is, time is such a, time is such a medium in bonsai. To let time just do its thing, to let the tree as, a, as another input uh, carry the load of design and just be the lesser force in the entire thing is a very, very challenging but rewarding position to take but too once we like once you get it then it's like it it seems to like make those changes fairly quickly Mm -hmm. because like in the mountains it's at in a certain way for who knows how long and then you get and then within like three four years all of a sudden this the deadwood that was a certain way or the whole trunk that was it's like everything like sags in a in a relatively fast pace yeah it happens quickly doesn't it Mm -hmm. more water more more environmental component but you know what else i think happens um when you take a a tree out of a space that it's existed in for hundreds of years uh 
and the tree starts to grow and you recognize that it's survived, that's just the beginning of its transition into domestication. And I've recognized, which gives me so much more respect for Japanese bonsai, I've recognized that you're going to have 10 years Uh. on a collected tree. You're going to have 10 years of behavioral shifts in really dramatic ways. Uh You know, it's like, Ah, oh, it's growing roots. It's growing foliage mass. Hooray! We're out of the woods, and it's it's like no, it's mm. no. I'm 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 afraid not, my friend. You know, like even looking at Alabama, yeah, and and seeing that some the of those smaller branches, and, the live vein is moving, yeah. and it's not. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, nothing you can do about it. Yeah. So that that makes the trees that have these. When you see the trees, like uh, there was a tree called. Uh, Asobi, that Mr. Camaro is very famous for designing. It was a cascading tree. And it has this long branch on this deadwood live vein twisting together and a tiny little pad of foliage out on the end of it and then a tiny little pad of foliage near the base of the trunk. And uh, you just recognize how rare that is Mm -hmm. for a branch, an extended live vein running along deadwood to last over that Mm 10-year transition period. So when you see those trees, finally it's like, God, that's amazing. You know? It really is something special. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't seem to keep, they don't hold on to those little tufts of foliage for very long. That's a long ways to move resources across a fairly, uh, I would say, a fairly precarious highway. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's a big thing about the heat, too, is I recognize, yeah, if you have that thin live vein uh, on the mountain, the live vein exists on the stone side, not the sun side. Yeah. Uh, if you have that live vein out in the sun, I've never seen sun so hot that it actually killed branches. Mm-hmm. But um, but this that temperature, uh, you know, we've been looking at the pines that are turning color in the garden. They're there are south-facing portions yeah. of trees that the whole thing is going to die yeah. just because it got too hot. Like the the needles didn't burn or dehydrate. Uh, no, they didn't. You know, the the branch itself, if it had an exposed run on that sun, it just yeah, literally it cooked the yeah. branch. Yeah. That was really that is really uh tough to to experience, yeah. but knowledge is power. Yeah, probably, it probably won't be the last time. No. Well, you'll know now. You know, but it's funny because when we were driving into Portland, it's it, like it clicked. It clicked in your head and you're like, ah, I didn't think of it. I didn't think. Like, I just uh, didn't think about it. Yeah. yeah, it really, that really, yeah, for you to be here and see, I, I've been telling people are like, how, how did the heat go? And it's like, I, I won't know. Right. I won't know for four to six weeks yeah. afterwards. And, and then just this week starting to see things, it's like, ah, okay, here yeah. we go. You know, buckle up, buckle up, because it could be, could be pretty painful. Yeah, but hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. I mean, like you were saying earlier, it's it's like you had gotten like the garden looked healthier than it ever had, you know, or in a significant amount of time. No, you I know? think it's. I, I think I think I think this spring with the kind of work that we've done and the effort that we put in, the garden looked better than it had ever looked, and then the heat wave happened. Right, but then but but then you set yourself up cuz it could be worse. If things oh, were struggling like last worse. year or yeah. you know after the, the compost. Extract, yeah. yeah, the extract it's like who knows. So it's like yeah. You you, you set yourself up to 
pull through this situation better than yep. than what you ultimate health the longer the longer that i do this ultimate health was a phrase that i coined to try and talk about how do you know that a tree is healthy beyond being green and growing and it's like this resistance to all the things that it experiences uh-huh. as a bonsai drought heat cold insects and disease uh-huh. the work that we do to these trees uh but it continues to just be a reverberating theme every year at Mirai because the compost extract was another thing that knocked out trees that were compromised. Right. Uh, this heat, any branch that was weak on a tree immediately died. Yeah. And, and, and thankfully there weren't that many, Right, you know, I know sat in Denver cause we got, you know, heat early on and I was, I was gone every time, you know, that, temperatures got over 100 but we had like seven six seven days over 100 already and i came home it's like oh yeah anything but junipers any like weak foliage yeah. just it's it's gone Toast. All, yeah all of it just shit so it's like all right but then the juniper started growing too so it's like okay the trees yeah you're looking it's like oh my gosh but it's like no the tree's fine it's just like i'm putting my energy into this and all this other stuff is just getting shed so yeah I I cannot believe how much sun and heat your Engelmans can take in Colorado compared to here. Same same Engelman spruce, but the fact that you had Engelmans that took full sun and full heat, sun. I, yeah. I'm just like, what? Yeah, it seems impossible to me. I mean, they fared better than expected. Like I thought I was going to come home to devastation, but they yeah. They've, they've weathered it pretty well. That's crazy. Because I'm trying to get the guys to put my sh- my shade cloth. They're waiting for yeah. shade cloth, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, they did. And even, like, I even have some that aren't aren't in bonsai containers, you know, but they're just in grow boxes and they're on the ground, but they're in full sun and they, like, some of them didn't even burn at all. And that's the thing that Randy says. He's, like, on the rock. Engelman grow in, like, crummy conditions. Uh, but you struggle, but that, but, but they burn, they, they burn. burn, they burn here. And I think yeah. maybe it's, maybe it's shallow containers, obviously. Uh, maybe it's sort of the, the time frame in the Pacific Northwest. We historically get a hundred degree or high 90 degree day while everything is still in its spring flush of growth. Mm-hmm. And that is just a no, no deluxe. Right. Right. Like. I've seen Engelman spruce almost fully defoliate if we leave them out in those hot days without a cuticle. Uh, But yeah, the Engelmans were the first concern of mine when we had that heat Uh spell. More than larches, even Engelman were a Uh concern for me. And then going to your house and you're like, yeah, we hit 100 a couple weeks ago (laughs) and all your Engelmans are out in full sun. And I'm just like, they had no protection in Colorado at one mile of elevation uh-huh. and they're okay yeah. yet i'm at sea level with a higher relative humidity right. and lower temperatures and they burn it yeah. just makes it's just part of the continual mystery of bonsai yeah 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 it's totally know. it's unexplainable I, I know, I'm trying it is. to process that no, it's like, it, no it's, that's it's unexplainable yeah and also pretty beautiful part part of just this ongoing ongoing mystery yeah yeah. What what, uh, what species are you gravitating towards now? Uh, Douglas fir still. <laughs> it's your it's your 
That's your mistress, huh? I think so. Like for the last year, huh. since like last late early spring last year, when I started working on them, it's I just fell, I completely fell in love with them again. So, mm. what is it about them that you like so much? I think when God, they're so hard to work on. They are, and they're like they're finicky, and they like they're still like they're not predictable with. Like compared to spruces, right? You know, it's like spruces, they'll bud back. You can sometimes like even cut back at the right time and you won't like even if there's not a bud behind new growth, but you'll get it where last year and this year meet, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like blue spruce, like Engelmans too. Like they just bud back really well. And yeah. Engelmans or Engelmans, uh, Doug first don't, but when I don't know when they're cleaned up and they're wired out and their tips are up and yeah. just like. Like, I'll just look, like, really at at a flat pad, like, close up to where, like, you're just peering right at the bud, and the, the needles are just kind of flared up softly. It's I just fell in love with them. It's just like, God, you're so sexy. It's I had no idea how durable they were, too. Mm-hmm. They might be as durable as a ponderosa pine. Which is so weird, because they... The majority of them grow as their understory. Yeah. They're understory trees. And so, yeah. And we've talked about that before. It's like, oh, I'm going to treat them like spruce and like more water. This, And it's like, mm, I think they like more heat. And I think they, they like, more they like being dry. Because I like think if they're dry. wet, they they don't like being wet. Where like the spruces and or the blue spruces anyway, they're just, they don't care. Yeah. You know, where. Yeah. But yeah. No, but you left, you left your furs out in that. I left furs out in 115 degrees. <laughs> In full sun. <laughs> and interestingly enough, the one in the bonsai container did not burn. The one in the bigger boxes mm-hmm. burned. Mm-hmm. Make sense of that. Mm-hmm. I have no... I have no... I in the Yeah, in the, in the deciduous. Yep. Yeah. But I you know, that got, that got... There's a saddle where the sun settles right at this time of year and they got hit with like an extra ray of afternoon sun and i think that's what did it because it's on it's on it's actually not on the south side it's on the it's on the west side of the Uh tree that got burned but but this one that sat here facing full south just full frontal just took it yeah it just absolutely took it and my yeah so my spruces i have one in a box spruce or doug Gosh, I don't know why I keep saying spruces. Doug Furs, but they, in Denver, this, it burned. New growth is fine. Mm-hmm. Anything that didn't have like a good... Yeah, the uh, old growth the burned. The old growth burned. Yeah, the new growth did not burn, mm-hmm. which makes sense. That's very intelligent mm-hmm. design, but... I don't know. It was when I was looking at that, I was like, oh. But then, like my really good... um fur that was designed that we did here that that tree hasn't burned at all it didn't burn at all when at, at, at home it got during, annihilated by hail though it had a whole different issue yeah, a few years ago years ago but it's like it's it, rebounded it pulled through that it's yeah. like ah, a little heat I that's such care. a special fur are we yeah. gonna see that fur make an appearance it's possible a spicy show action oh, it's possible i'm trying to figure out my uh entry for the national show yeah I have a few. Mm-hmm. I have a few different thoughts on that. I know one. I know one of your trees I would like to see there. Which so. one? 
baby Kraken. Oh, baby Kraken at the national. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough transporting trees across North America is, is hard on a tree. It is. It's hard on a tree. And, and, um, you know, we have come up with what I think is the most, uh, is the most delicate way to do so. And I think I would, uh, no, I don't think, I would say I would be willing to, via the covered wagon, transport any tree here at Mirai. Right. But it would have to be worth it. And yeah. I'm not saying that the national show is not worth it. Um, but I think you want to see your trees in a really special space. Mm-hmm. Architecturally significant, historically significant, uh, culturally or uh from a individual's hand having been applied to that space significant and that motivates me more than than the the, the show environment right sure um but i'm definitely going to take a a very you know very high quality piece i try to try to every year but when i think about rocky mountain juniper number one the pygmy cypress Mm -hmm. forest Mm -hmm. uh or, or some of the big box or some of the yeah the big guns. Um, I know number one's yeah, always... We'll get there. That's always one I'd like to see there, too. Yeah. I think we'll see good trees at the national show this year. Sure. I think there's going to be I, some I big-time trees. I do, too. I think people are going to bring out big-time trees, which uh, which is always exciting. That's I think that's why Bill is so motivated by the national show, because when we talked to him about it, he just said, I just want to see, I just want to see trees. Yeah. I want to see more trees. I want to see bonsai trees. He's mm-hmm. like a bonsai yeah. junkie. When I first met him, I was asking him like, well, what did you do like before you did bonsai? He's like, what do you mean? I I didn't do anything. I did bonsai. <laughs> it's right. like, oh, okay. It's like, he just loves, he Thank just you, loves bonsai. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, that guy that guy is hardcore passionate about bonsai. Yeah. Even with everything else that goes on. It would take and, a, to do the national show every yeah. two years. I could I could just tell you from my one experience with the Artisans Cup and my individual exhibitions. So much work. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. so, 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 so much work. Not fun work either. Uh, it's not like this is great. I'm right. feeding my bonsai passion. It's like this is the the drudgery yeah. of organization and and logistics and money and budgets and blah blah right. blah blah and at the end there's a few bonsai trees yeah. and he's like i'm gonna do it it's like kudos to i mean you. he wanted to do he was ready to go last year yeah but the state wouldn't let him yeah yes yes i wonder how many people will be there i think this year there'll be i think there'll be quite a few think so i think so i hope so i yeah. hope I hope everybody turns out. Yep. Uh, the covered wagon will be there and rolling in full force. Yeah. I think it'll be, it's, I think it's going to be a great show. Yeah. My wife's coming. Oh. I'm going to fly her out. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The bonsai world gets to meet. Uh, I know. I was like, do you want to go to the national show? She's like, do I have to drive? Do I have to drive with you out there? It's like, no, you can just fly Uber to the place and then you can hang out at the booth and meet everyone and that's then great. fly home on Sunday. That's great. So That's so good. No, I know. I'm excited. I'm I'm glad she's I'm glad she's coming cuz it'd be good, you know, it'll be good to like spend time with her yeah. like in 
an environment like that. You yeah. Know, it's like, this is, this is what, you know, cause she's there when I teach classes and stuff like that, but uh, it'll just be, it'll be great to have her. So what did she tell you? They didn't come here to get their asses worked off. <laughs> I, know. I know. No, they did. Yeah, no, that's exactly like, well, that's I, what we're here maybe, to do. Maybe they didn't, but that's what we're going to do. Yeah. If they didn't, they won't come back. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. We're going to have, um, I think we got a, we got some, some, some form of a mansion for all of the, for all of the Mariah uh-huh. community, for the team. Uh, but I think we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a gathering on Friday night. Yeah. We did it last time and it yep. was, it was a freaking Are you do blast. it at the same place? I don't think so. No, I think Somewhere it's, else? I think it's a different place. Yeah. It's going to be good though. Because JP is behind it, and people don't know, but JP is like a hospitality monster. That's right. Yeah, this is what he does, and yeah. he does it better than anybody right. else at the highest level for a very long time. Yeah, no, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that, and it's always good to just get to see uh, everybody. Right, the community, new ceramicist, yeah. old ceramicist. Ron Ling wasn't there last time, mm-hmm. and won't be there. You know, this time I hope he and Sharon consider coming. Sure, would be nice to yeah, nice to see him. It but, would be, but getting to see the whole East Coast crew, I think Bill and his crew are stellar, and it's always nice to see them just crushing when the show gets put on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's a whole community of people that just really go through the paces to make yeah. that happen for yeah, us. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so that's exciting. I. How do you feel the energy at the national show compares to the trophy? Um, because you've well, been at the you've been to the trophy multiple times now. Yeah, I mean it's like it's a little different because both times I was helping you with your demonstration, so I was probably a little more nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's different. Like at the trophy, too. It's like. It's a different country for me. It's right. a like uh, people speak English, but still, there's like multiple languages going on, you know. So it's it's um, it's a lot. It's it's a big different t- different time of year. Yeah, you know. So it's mm-hmm. like what's like the larches are just starting or not yet starting, and you know. So it's a it's it's a it's a whole different it's a whole different feel. Um, you think the energy. There's a similarity, or do you think there's more in Europe? There's more in North America? Is it population-based? I mean, I think there's more energy at the at the trophy, mm-hmm. but I just think it's it's just different. It's like there's it's not that there's not like energy at the at the national show. It's but it's like the people there seem to be a little more. It's a little more laid back, maybe yeah. or a little a little calmer. Well, where in Europe, it to me it feels like the energies of there's a little more like tension. Not well, you, you have know, all the, not in a bad way. You but, have all like the cultures coming together. Yeah, and it's competitive. Yeah, the thing about bonsai in North 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 America is it is not even remotely as competitive as Europe is. Yeah. In Europe, they're like, who's going to win this show? Right. That's that's what people care about. Yeah. In North America, it's like, oh, they won. Oh, that's good, good for yeah. them. You know, it's like, oh, in Europe, they're 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 in it to win it. Yeah. I mean, and like at our in my in the club, you know, that I'm part of, like 
when we had shows, it's like they never wanted to do <clears throat> do judging or anything like that, you know. So mm-hmm. it's which I don't know. I don't. I didn't know if I ever agreed with that or not. You I have know? strong or, opinions about that. No, I know, and I'm trying to be very political about it. You know, <laughs> so, politically but, correct about yeah. it. Yeah, I have strong opinions <clears throat> about that. Yeah. So no, I just think. Uh, I, f- I feel like there's a place, there has to be a place for excellence. Mm-hmm. You There has to be a place where excellence is celebrated. Yeah. And, it, and, and, it, and it does not everybody has to be interested in that, but it doesn't mean that because not everybody's interested in it, that nobody should have that opportunity to sure. excel and to be recognized for it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, I, I think the notion that bonsai is an objective art form is like, okay, well, yeah, we can all like what we like. We can all like different things, but look at every art form and and art in general has merits by which you can look at it and obtain an impression of its quality and caliber in in objective ways. You know, like I think the bigger fault with competition is do you have judges that are capable of judging in an objective fashion? And I think that's the biggest weak point in North America. I think in Japan, they they had a lot of judges that were very well versed. Mm -hmm. Consequently, there was a lot of backdoor right politics and economy that happened around the exhibitions that uh, that you know taints it in its own mm-hmm. unfortunate way but man to to have really objective judging or to have a diversity of opinions on a panel that provides a, an eventual result that is objective i think that's the, the struggle that really makes or breaks uh, the merit of an award at an exhibition, but I, I I see no reason why people shouldn't be rewarded for the time and effort they put into this. Right. You know, it's not like it's not like some game life changing award, but it's right. like good good job. Sure. This 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 is a level of excellence sure. that is outclassing everything else here. Like that feels good. Yeah. As a somebody that's put that kind of time yeah. and effort in. How do you feel like the like Kokufu Ten or some of those versus? Not like compared to the trophy, but maybe like what's the, because I've been to like, that's something too. It's like, I need to go, I need to go to that. Um, I think the level with which bonsai is pursued as a super significant professional industry career in Japan is unrivaled anywhere else. And, And it's in, and so like, in the trophy, you know, the the environment is set up and people casually bring their trees in and they set them there. And I know Danny has gone a long ways towards yeah. uh, helping the organization of the show and, and the layout of the show because that's a big part of it too. And yeah. in the Coke Fu, that was a major part of it. But when the when the professionals brought the trees in the morning to the Coke Fu, like the, the tension in the air yeah. for all of the things that could go wrong and the kind of coordination and seamless seamless understanding of everybody's place and what you're supposed to do and just the absolute flawlessness of it uh was was really something to be a part of i mean the way that we packed the way that we prepped the way that we unloaded uh and and the setting up of the show it's it's at such a you know i used to laugh at it in japan as an apprentice because it's like and my my way of deflecting the pressure was to be like, does everybody here recognize that that the rest of the world really doesn't care that much about what we're doing? Uh-huh. 
and we're just playing with tiny trees like right like that was a way to undermine my my the intense amount of pressure right. to not fuck up right. right but in reality like when when i look at how important bonsai is as a lifestyle for me and when i look at um what i think bonsai as a medium is capable of i i do respect and appreciate the degree to which the japanese took it seriously mm -hmm. and handled it as a truly professional mm -hmm. endeavor and i just don't think that you see that anywhere else right you know that was my assumption that yeah that the the energy level there is just it's something it, it, i it's, haven't it's experienced unrivaled. yet yep. it's unrivaled yep. and here's the other thing about it is it does not come without its own bag of mess you know like going to the national show is fun mm -hmm. going to the trophy is interesting right going to the kokufu is intense right and working the national show is enjoyable working at the trophy is exhausting working the kokufu was excruciating mm -hmm. and so with that level if you are the person responsible for delivering the goods which in the case of a professional in japan was a tree worthy of the kokufu through the judging coming back to the museum and putting it on its pedestal without anything going wrong in all of the handling of that mm -hmm. tree uh that that's difficult and when you worked for mr kimura and we did a hundred of those trees for an exhibition mm -hmm. it was unrivaled amongst any other experience in japan we just handled more high-end trees at a higher level in higher quantities with higher stakes than anybody else did you know and i think shinji suzuki is probably handling a high quantity of very prominent trees right now mm -hmm. whether it usurps the quantities mr kimura handled I, I i don't even think it remotely comes close right but he is dealing in extremely high value trees and that's scary it's just yeah. scary you know and when you're an apprentice at a facility that handles that kind of stuff you you, you have to be you have to be proactive yeah yeah and i think that's where mariah like i i do aspire for mariah to to be at that level and that's where the covered wagon has to be capable of handling that and where the team has to be capable of handling that because when you start right. to when you start to handle things in that fashion it it, it 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 does become contagious and then there is an example of what can be pursued mm -hmm. and to what degree it can be pursued but it also the 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 more high caliber trees that are present the greater the stakes right you know the the, the heat wave really drove that home for me the greater the stakes like you, you now you've got so many more trees that are that need to be moved like back in the day if we had gotten a heat wave in the first five years of Mirai, like it would have been a bummer and we would have moved you know like my dozen favorite trees in the garden or something but after that it would have been like i hope everything works out mm -hmm. you know now it's like who got 10 years into mm -hmm. two or three hundred of these trees here like there isn't any letting this melt down to any degree, right. you know? It just isn't... And every tree's in a small container, whereas they were in boxes five right. years ago. And it's like, oh, God. And it's like client trees that are quite valuable. Exactly. And that's, that's your... Cl client trees that are of the same caliber as the top trees that I personally right. own. And it's like, well, I can't let this right. die. Yeah. You know, not like I would anyways, no, but I it's know. like 116 degrees. It's like, now I got to figure this shit out on the fly yeah. and physically move all of these things and keep it's just it was really 
It was really quite intense. It reminded me of when big typhoons would blow through Japan mm-hmm. and we'd have to prep prep the garden for the typhoons. I mean, it was just like, is, you do what you got to do. Do what you got to well, do. Would you, would you move trees or just have to tie them down? Or? Mr. Kimura honestly was pretty... Um, Mr. Kimura, where he was at on the Kanto Plain, typically the typhoons deflected off of the Japanese Alps. And he planned for that most of the time. But there were two times where it looked like we were going to get absolutely clobbered. And we and we moved a majority of the garden, uh, set it down on the ground, tied things down, mm-hmm. brought things indoors. I mean, like big, big expenditure of physical energy. And when you have six apprentices, that's awesome. When it's me or me and Troy. <laughs> and a dingo. And a dingo, it's a little different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we have close to the same number yeah. of trees as Mr. Kamara had uh. here. So it's not like uh, it's not it's not like some small small time operation comparatively. No, it's it's and no. The, this is not a small operation. No, no, no. So, do you do you have goals or aspirations of expanding, or do you like the quantity of trees and sort of the controlled space that you have now? No, I would. I would love to have more space. You would, yeah. So that's, more space for more trees, or more space just so the trees you have had more space. Um. I would like more space so the trees that I have can like be showcased more right? and then have a separation between, you know, the trees that have been worked and finished and trees that are in still a raw state. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's like the big thing. But then it's like, I, then I'd want to, I want a big greenhouse. I want. You know, so it's just it, everything would exponentially get bigger. Yeah. But but that's like the main. And so I talked to my wife about that, and she actually brought it up where, you know, she wants she wants to move. So yeah, that's that's in a five year plan. Find find and then build something out to where it's yeah, where it's a garden. You know, yeah. It's like I got I have a big backyard and I have a bunch of kick ass trees in it. You know, but it's not it's not as much of a like artistic garden or creative space, you know, that, that something like that could be. Yeah. It's, so. fu- it's very functional. It's functional. Very functional. It is for right, for what it is right now. Yeah, yeah. It's functional and I love it, but you know, there's, there's a uh, upgrades that could be, that could be done to, yeah. to a, a space or even upgrades to the space that I have, you know, that could be done, but it's just, it's more to like showcase, have a main garden have the the raw stock areas, yeah. you know, separate, so it's not things aren't in this in the same area. So yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Planning a garden, goodness gracious. Yeah, but yours is like it's it's maturing. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's like it it really like things are really filling in and things are softening and yeah. things are growing together and it it really it's really beautiful. Yeah, it's Thank beautiful. You. Yeah. Yeah, I was it, noticing that. So. It's, it's been interesting to watch it evolve and develop. I, I recognize that the same thing applies to a garden as applies to a bonsai tree, which is in a garden, uh, the sooner that you can build and plant and start the landscape maturing, uh, the faster that you get to those points of patina where yeah. the garden takes over, where plants are established and you don't have to water them or irrigate them over the summer, where... 
the hot dry dirt is now covered in greenery that absorbs the ultraviolet rays and and gives off a lot of relative humidity uh-huh. like it's just the environment of a garden is such an important aspect to bonsai i'm always i am always a little bit mystified when i see a hardscape dominated garden without plant material around it how how trees and plants survive in uh-huh. that because it becomes when i first built this place and it was just a just a gravel pad right it was like a desert yeah in the middle of summer it was like a freaking desert which is why the shade structure was built was just because baker's apex was suffering and i figured well it's not gonna get any cooler because that was like may june when the when Mm. the shade structure was built and we still had july august and so we built a shade structure just as a temporary structure which became like the central like backbone of the garden right like all the lights, everything is hanging off of the You're shade like, I structure. I don't know where now. to put it. Just put it here. Yeah, yeah. It seems like for now we'll put it here, and we can always move it. It's like uh, it doesn't no. work that way. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I thought about putting down black, like like stone right. in my backyard. It's like no, because that's just gonna get so hot there that would get hot you know, the best thing you could put down i would think if you were con- contemplating the environment that you're trying to create for the trees would be wood chips or mm. bark dust or um, some sort of like steppable ground cover mm-hmm. that could absorb the the ultraviolet and not reflect it and not absorb it like a dark material would and hold the right. heat but just absorb it and have it be a part of the organic process but that could hold moisture and give off humidity because you're at such a high elevation well that's like when i because i have grass back there so when i clean that all off you know and it's like it looks nice but it it also yeah it cools down grass is brilliant yeah it it cools it down Mm -hmm. back there so yep i try to put grass on every surface that's south facing Mm. Uh, even though it's challenging to keep it hydrated yeah you know it's, it's it's fine yeah yeah all the things, man. Yeah. The saga continues. It does. It does. Good to have you out, man. I know. It's great being here. We'll see you uh, again in a few weeks. You will. Good. I know. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. All right. See you, man. See ya.